All right. Uh, so this is the generic. Uh, I'm sorry, the generic uh, trigger warning uh, for uh, certain of my appellate uh, corpus juris podcasts where I talk about procedure. Uh, and chances are, if I put this uh, trigger warning in the episode, it's because I'm talking about um, a particular state that um, is peculiar, right? So. Uh, let me backtrack, right? So, uh, from Houston, Texas, born and raised, it's pronounced H-E-B, not Heb. Uh, Waterburger is great. Uh, Bleed Orange, Go Horns, Giga Maggie's. Um, I know that, that, that that's, that, that's I, I just I just perjured myself because I said Giga Maggie's and Go Horns. But uh, you, you, you get the general idea, right? Uh, Card-carrying Democrat. And I think the last time that it snowed here... Uh, in Texas, when I was here, uh, it was when I was ten, and it snowed once, right? And it was like a combination between like snow and sleet, right? Uh, went to college out in California. Uh, I think the last time it snowed on the campus there was 1962, right? So, uh, 22 years of continuous uh, uh, sun, so to speak, right? So it's 70 degrees in the winter time, uh, sunny and 75, as they say. And if you're like me and you like warm weather, uh, and uh, you're a card-carrying Democrat, then uh, you're uh, hot spots. You're basically looking at a uh, California, uh, New Mexico, or Hawaii, right? That's where you're at home. And then we have a bunch of other states, right, that are uh, in between on the spectrum, right? So a bunch of states, great up north, uh, folks wouldn't vote for a Republican to save their lives. Uh, but it's cold. It's cold. Uh, and you know, you know, you're in a bad spot uh, when it's uh, one degree outside, and you turn on. I'm sorry, you know, you're you're in a bad spot when you turn on the Jets game, and it's Jets three, Giants ten, but it's one degree outside, right? Uh, and then uh, you you go down south, right? Great weather, uh, great folks, great parties. The beaches are great, the sand is great, um, and what have you. Uh, but it, there are a bunch of Republicans from the top down. It, it's it's the solid South for a reason, right? Uh, and in Texas, uh, it's probably not going to change, right? They say it might change by 2040, but uh, most folks uh, get the gist right there. And there's been a general collective decision uh, that, uh, at least as far as the energy economy is concerned, that any environmental concerns will just be thrown thrown to the wayside. We're going to sacrifice the welfare of the beaches uh, to have a robust energy sector. Florida, not so much, right? Uh, which is the other big, you know, great state down south. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really frustrated when I think about Florida because, you know, the economy is essentially premised on tourism and agriculture, uh, and you know there, there's there's not much uh, to be said um, uh, for policies that in that entail high tariffs and you know uh, almost purposeful environmental uh, degradation, right? So why is Florida red, right? If, if the economy is premised on um, uh, the existence of low tariffs, so you can get your crop out to international markets and uh, you need the beaches uh, to be in good shape, and the result of all that is that you need good environmental protections. When well, why not just go blue? But that's my—that's me digressing. Why? Uh, why should you be interested in this peculiar state that I've set out uh, for you today? Whether it's Montana or Alaska or Arkansas or uh, some other uh, peculiar state. Well, a couple of reasons, right? Uh, reasons, right? So uh, it used to be. Uh, that uh, back in the day, you settled down in a state, maybe it was 1960 or 1980 or uh, pre-2000, whatever, and uh, you took the bar exam and you were admitted to that state, and maybe you were admitted uh, in the state uh, that was contiguous with it, or if you lived in the tri-state area, you were admitted in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, right? But uh, fortunately, the MBE has changed all that, right? So now you can take the bar exam and you can be admitted to 10, 20, 30, 40, uh, 40 states, upwards of 40 states, right? Uh, why is that significant uh, as it pertains to this? Well, 
Uh, some people would say that just by virtue of taking the MBE and being admitted to the state that I'm talking about in this in this uh, uh, seeing podcast, um, that you would be conspicuous, right? So uh, on a rank of one to ten, most folks are admitted to one state. Uh, two or three is on the high side, but 10, 20, 30, 40, that is not normal, right? That's like a 10,000 on a rank of one to ten. Uh, and you'd be conspicuous. And perhaps for that reason alone, uh, folks would be interested in... Uh, uh, the procedure as it relates to the state that I'm talking about now. An another reason uh, to be interested uh, in the podcast. Well, uh, let's say that you work for a firm, right? And I highly doubt that uh, most firms are going to turn around someone admitted to 10, 20, uh, 30, uh, much less 40 states, right? Or whether they could legally do it, regardless of whether or not you were a Caucasian male or African-American female or anyone in between, right? Um uh, so uh, it ups your firm out because now uh, firms, they get called to do peculiar things, right? So these Tony Law firms in New York and uh, D.C., right, they have a bunch of staff. And uh, sometimes they get called to do peculiar things in Alaska or Montana, right? And they have to get outside counsel to go to these states, right? Uh, and if you're admitted to that state, well, that's just one less person that they have to pay, right? So uh, good for the firm. And more than that. Uh, more than that, you can bring in any business that can be had from these states so you can uh, become a rainmaker of sorts, uh, so to speak. Uh, so uh, that, that's one reason. Another reason uh, is that uh, it allows you to remain, uh, at least uh, these bar members, this bar membership uh, scheme that I'm setting out, allows you to remain active in the appellate scene, even if you didn't clerk, right? So let's say that maybe you screwed up in your first year, or you took that third or fourth degree, took that BCL, took that uh, medical degree, uh, whatever it is, and the folks who you studied under said, well, we'll send you for these degrees, but uh, anything else that comes after that, uh, we can't guarantee it or we just won't send you, which is their right. They don't have to do it. Uh, this allows you to remain active on the appellate scene. So how do you do that? You just uh, pick two states uh, per week, right? So uh, maybe one week you're in Washington and Oregon, the next week you're in Louisiana and Texas, the next week you're in New York and, and Vermont. Uh, pick your states, it doesn't matter. And uh, you do two double-spaced, five-page appellate filings uh, per week, right? You do that in a year, you get 104 briefs. You do that in 10 years, you get a about 1,000. You do it over the course of 40 to 50 years, you get about uh, 4,000 to 5,000, right? And remember that uh, at most of these appellate boutiques, 300 filings is on the high side, right, for these partners, right? So you'd be a 26, 27, 28, 29, perhaps a 30-year-old with 100 filings, right? And that by itself, again, is very anomalous, right? So I was talking about... Um, uh, bar admission numbers, right? Uh, having a hundred appellate filings as a twenty-something-year-old, that itself is anomalous, right? That's a one thousand. That's a ten thousand on a scale of one to ten, right? Um, and don't tell me that somebody um, uh, with that many filings wouldn't be up for something, some sort of appellate gig or an SG position, maybe in a small state eventually, right? It might work in a small state. It's probably not going to work in a big state, uh, Texas, California, Florida, New York, etc., right? I mean, just you, just, you might you might need a clerk uh, to be noticed there, but uh, in a small state, it could probably work, right? It might. And uh, yet another reason uh, to be interested in this uh, little scheme I'm laying out here. Uh, well, why would you care about admission uh, to Kansas, right? Well, um, admission to the state uh, in a, a federal circuit court, right, automatically uh, is going to give you uh, admission uh, to the appellate courts, right? Uh, so you're admitted in Kansas, and now uh, you can get uh, access to admission to the 10th Circuit, and now uh, you can do these amicus filings that I'm talking about, not only in Kansas state courts, but you can go to uh, these uh, appellate courts, right? And if you can, it'll intervene if they'll take you. Uh, so it's, it's, a great, it's a great deal. And, you know, I needed like an eight-minute trigger warning to set this out, but uh, chances are that uh, if I've attached this uh, warning to the uh, podcast, it's because of the state I'm talking about is either uh, chock full of uh, 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 proud 
uh, uh, Trump supporters, or um, uh, it's because it's cold, or uh, in a worst case scenario, it's cold and people are out in the cold because they want to attend the Trump rally, right? And that, that, that's just like the worst of both worlds. So that's why I need this trigger warning. Uh, 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 and uh, now for the actual episode. This episode of Corpus Juris will continue with our focus on Idaho appellate procedure. And here I'm going to be uh, focusing on the record on appeal. So this is the second episode uh, that has covered this topic, right? Uh, and if listeners were a call, uh, I left off or stopped speaking about the record in the last episode uh, when I came to corrections, right? So what of corrections? Well, if the parties agree on the needed correction or modification to the record, the record can be corrected in the appellate court without any action from the lower court or agency. Uh, here, the stipulation should disclose the volume page and line of the statement to be corrected. Uh, in designating the reporter's transcript and clerk's record on appeal, uh, counsel should specify whether she or he wants a physical or electronic copy. Uh, if there are multiple appellants or respondents, uh, the parties collectively should resolve who will be, who will be served uh, with the reporter's transcript and the clerk's record and how long each litigant will hold the document. Uh, where do I get that? We'll take a look at Idaho Rule of Appellate Procedure 24. Uh, this decision uh, is critical because if the parties do not reach an agreement, the lower court or agency will impose one on them as a group on the motion of either one party or uh, the clerk, clerk can suggest this action uh, herself or himself. Uh, the reporter uh, request should display the court reporter's name, uh, the date and title of the proceedings, and the number of the pages and the, and the number of pages uh, that will. Uh, be needed. Where do I get that? We'll take a look at Idaho Rule of Appellate Procedure 25. Uh, the parties need not request a transcript in cases that originated in an agency and where the matter was heard on appeal by either a district court or the Court of Appeals. Electronic copies of the transcript can be requested from the court reporter for a $20 fee. Uh, Idaho, uh, uh, in contrast to Hawaii, has a different rule. Uh, for uh, notifications here. Here, counsel is not responsible for notifying the court reporter of impending filing deadlines or petitioning uh, the appellate court for time extensions if the transcript cannot be prepared in time. Uh, while there is not a standard transcript in civil cases or post-judgment criminal proceedings and criminal, appeal, criminal appeals uh, in the state where the defendant was convicted, the transcript is limited to all the written and recorded testimony and proceedings, uh, the guilty plea hearing proceedings, and the sentencing hearing proceedings. Uh, transcripts of pretrial and post-trial proceedings other than the entry of a guilty plea or sentence must be specifically designated and requested. In capital cases, however, uh, the standard transcript includes every hearing and proceeding in the trial court, regardless of whether the trial uh, was recorded. Uh, my goodness, they still have uh, capital uh, punishment here. Well, uh, you can just tune into a neighboring podcast. I, I think I had a I had a series on criminal procedure, right? So uh, listeners who are tuning into that know my opinions of that uh, punishment. Uh, but where was I? Uh, counsel should assume that evidence that is read into the record during the transcription of a requested proceeding will be included in the transcript. Uh, on the other hand, evidence that is not read into the record will not be included in the reporter's transcript, but can be obtained by filing a request with the court clerk. 
In civil cases, the standard record consists of the actions register, uh, any orders sealing parts of the record, uh, the original and any amended complaint or petition, answers to the complaint or petition, uh, original amended counterclaims, third-party claims, or cross-claims. Uh, what else is included uh, in the record? Well, original and amended answers or responses to a counterclaim, uh, the jury verdict, uh, the trial court's factual findings, uh, legal conclusions, and filed memorandum opinions. Uh, what else is included? Well, all judgments and decrees, uh, all offered exhibits, uh, the appeal and cross-appeal notice, and a table of contents and contents and index for the record. Uh, the standard record for criminal cases, by way of contrast, includes an actions register, uh, any order sealing parts of the record, uh, every motion that was filed in the case, as well as uh, written plea agreements, uh, requests for additional transcripts and records, uh, court minutes. Uh, what else is included in the criminal record? Uh, uh, in most cases, well, uniform citations, complaints, information, and indictments, uh, judgments or orders withholding judgment, uh, pre-sentence investigation reports, uh, the appeal and cross-appeal notice, uh, the court reporter's notice to the district court, uh, and uh, in capital cases, uh, you're going to have uh, every document filed in the trial court. Uh, finally, the standard record in administrative proceedings, what does that consist of? Well, that consists of any order sealing parts of the record, uh, the original and amended complaint, uh, petition uh, and application, as well as the amended pleading, uh, the answers, uh, all documents related to an intervention application, uh, protests to the intervention application, all offered exhibits, uh, the agency's factual findings, legal conclusions and memorandum opinions, the final decision order or award, uh, the rehearing and reconsideration petitions, uh, the appeal and cross-appeal notice. Um, what else is included in administrative agency records? Uh, appeal, I'm sorry, administrative agency uh, uh, records on appeal. Well, um, requ requests from uh, additional trans for additional transcripts and records are included, as well as a table of contents and index. Uh, counsel should note that the standard record for each case category set out above will often not be sufficient to provide a full and fair hearing on the issues on appeal. Uh, it follows that uh, lawyers litigating appeals in Idaho are encouraged to designate additional materials such as the jury instructions, depositions, briefs, uh, statements, and affidavits for the clerk's record, right? And where do I get that? Well, I'll take a look at Idaho Rule of Appellate Procedure 38. And that concludes this episode of of uh, Corpus Church, which focused on uh, Idaho uh, appellate procedure, and here we were uh, uh, focusing specific specifically on record uh, the record on appeal, and this is the second episode in a three-episode series.